Blog Talk Radio. Deliverance Ministry International. This is your hostess, Evangelist Janet Taylor, coming to you live tonight from the Walls of Fire Deliverance Ministries. Hallelujah. Thank you for tuning in with us tonight. I am praying that you are blessed by tonight's message. For those of you who are just joining us for your first time, If you would like to know where to find us, you can find us on the Internet 
at www.wallsoffiredeliverancemin.com. Also, our phone number is area code 336-830-0601. So if you want to give us a call, you feel free to do so. If you have a prayer request, give us a call. We'll be happy to pray with you. Also, our email address, if you just want to email your prayer request, send it to jet245 at msn.com. Again, that's J-E-T, all lowercase, 245 at msn.com. And if you prefer to write us, remember snail mail is exactly what they say it is, snail mail. But you can write us at P.O. Box 1148, Walkertown, North Carolina, 27105. So we'd like to thank you for joining us and want to invite your attention to um, Sweet Hour of Prayer. For those of you that like that song that you heard, um, you can get that CD on iTunes at cdbaby.com or at Reverb Nation. That's called Janet Taylor, A New Beginning. Now, I'd like to invite you to something I consider much more important, and that is the sweet hour of prayer, our prayer line. We have a prayer line Monday through Saturday at 12 noon through 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, And on Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you can join us in prayer. We will pray for you. You can pray with us if you'd like by dialing area code 425-436-63333. And the access code is 716-5050, followed by the pound sign. Again, that is area code 425-436-6333. And the access code is 716-5050, followed by the pound sign. We just want you to know that we love you. We thank you for yours. And if you are led by the Holy Spirit to financially uh, sow a seed supporting this ministry, you can do so through PayPal or through Zelle. All you got to do is use the email address, jet245 at msn.com. We will get it. We will use it for the upbuilding of the kingdom of God. Glory be to God. So with all of that said, you just want to get into tonight's message. I believe it is a very important message, and uh, I'm going to share it with the people of God on tonight. Tonight's message is, where is the church that Christ died for? You know, we see all of these uh, things happening uh, in the church today, and the new buzzword is uh, the church that is relevant to the culture. That is just so unbiblical. Nowhere in Scripture will you find that Jesus told the church to 
to be relevant to the culture that it's preaching to. As a matter of fact, it's just the contrary. The church is supposed to preach a message of salvation and holiness and righteousness in Jesus' name to the culture that will transform the culture to the ways of the Lord. Uh, Romans 12 tells us, be ye not conformed to the image of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the church is never supposed to conform to the culture and preach a message that is relevant to the to the culture. The entire word of God is relevant to the culture. It is relevant because it is the only message of salvation today. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, but in the name of Jesus. So you <clears throat> give me a minute. We're going to go now to the word of God found in Haggai chapter 2, and we'll look at the second and third verse. That's Haggai chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. I'm going to take a sip of water here and get this little itch out my throat. All right, we rocking and rolling. We are ready to go. <clears throat> the word of the Lord says, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and to the residue of the people, saying, Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory. How do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison as nothing? Glory be to God. Just keep your fingers there, and we're going to go over to Romans. Glory be to God. One of my favorite books in the Bible, although I love all of the words. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. And the word of the Lord says, <clears throat> For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet per adventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ, died for us. Glory be to God. So tonight's message is where is the church that Christ died for? We know from the scripture that I just read in Romans chapter 5 that Christ died for us. His death was vicarious. That is, he did not die merely for our benefit, but he died in our place. He was a substitutionary sacrifice. His blood was shed. <clears throat> the death of Christ and his shed blood affects salvation, but the life of Christ sustains us. The reference is to the abiding result of 
Jesus' death and resurrection. So if Christ had not hung on the cross of Calvary, you and I would not even be here tonight. But because he died, you and I have been given a right to the tree of life. And so we know that Jesus' death, we cannot allow the crucifixion to be in vain. In other words, we can't stay the way we were when Christ died for us. That is the purpose that he died for us. Glory be to God in the highest. He did not die so that we could stay in sin, so that we could stay messed up, so that we could stay jacked up, so that we could uh, 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 stay toe up from the flow up. No, he died. He came and it took his blood, the blood of Jesus Christ, to break the chains that had us in bondage. So Christ died to make us holy. He died so that we could live. He died for the people of God so that we could come to him and we could receive salvation in Jesus' name. Now, if we look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 27, I'm going to read it to you. It says, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify, that means to set it apart and cleanse it by the washing of the water of the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. And we know that First Peter 1 and 16 tells us to be ye holy, for I am holy. This sums it up in a nutshell. Christ died for the church that he might sanctify it and cleanse it. To be sanctified means to be set apart, to be made holy for God's use and for God's glory. And then we are cleansed by the washing of the water of the word. That is why the word is so important. It is essential to the transformation of believers. Without the word of God, you're not going to experience that transformation that Christ died for. Glory be to God. And that is why we have so many carnal Christians. They don't spend any time in the Word. And so it is the Word of God that renews our mind. You know, before I got saved, I had some messed up thinking. I thought fornication was okay. I thought, well, hey, this is what you do. Everybody else is doing it, so I'm going to do it. If you got a boyfriend, this is what you do. And I found out as a Christian that fornication is not okay, according to the Bible. So if we preach a gospel that is relevant to the culture of today, the culture thinks that fornication 
is okay. Everybody's got a boo nowadays. And they feel like, well, God understands. But that is not the message of the gospel. He came to set the captives free and to destroy the works of the devil. So we don't continue in sin that grace may abound. The Bible says, God forbid. So we are to be changed, glory be to God, into his image and into his likeness. Glory be to God. Now, that doesn't happen overnight. It happens uh, progressively through the washing of water by the word. But this is why Christ died. He gave his life for the church. Glory be to God. And the church is holy. The church is the bride of Christ. The church is without spot or wrinkle. The church is without blemish. The church garment, the garment of the bride is white and spotless. It is pure. The white symbolizes her purity. Glory be to God in the highest. And he died for a glorious church. He's not coming back for a bride whose garment is still stained with sin. He's not coming back for that. What man do you know will stand at the altar waiting for his bride to come down the aisle and her hair is unkempt, her clothes are dirty, she looks like she's been out all night long, and what man do you know is going to stand at that altar to receive such a bride? None that I know of. And if no man, no earthly man, <clears throat> will stand for that, then what makes you think that God, Christ died for the purpose to sanctify and cleanse the church and that he might present it to himself as his bride, a glorious church, not having any spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that it should be holy. The bride of Christ <coughs> is the holy bride. She is to be holy because he is holy. We are to be holy because he is holy. Glory be to God. So answer to the question is where? is that church? Where is the holy church? Where is the spotless church? Where is the church who he has sanctified and cleansed and made her garment white and spotless? Where is that church? Glory be to God. You know, at the beginning of the year, there was a service um, that was recorded on YouTube and um, this church, they were having, uh, they said it was a New Year's uh, service, and um, it, 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 it was more like the club. They were partying. They were dancing to this uh, rap song called Walk It Out. They were uh, carrying on, and then um, the, the, the pastor told the people by this time next year, 
they were going to have three houses with their names on it. And he had the audacity to say that the Lord said that. And I cringed the moment that he said that because that cannot be backed up with scripture. And, you know, God is more interested not in what we own or what we possess because um, you can't take any of it with you. The Bible says the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so none of this stuff um, that we own here on earth is going to leave here with us. So uh, whatever God blesses you with, it's just for, you know, while we're here. When we uh, who believe in the Lord and who have sold out unto the Lord, when we leave here, we're going to leave this stuff behind because we're going somewhere far better far greater. We're going to be with the Lord. Hallelujah. And so everything that's here is going to remain here. So God is not interested in how much you and I accumulate. He is not interested in how much money we amass. He is not interested in how much education you and I obtain. He is not interested and all of those things, how many houses you have, God don't care about all of that. He's not interested in that. He promised to supply all our needs according to his riches in glory. And we don't need but one house to live in because you can't even live in three houses at one time. So God is just not into, he, he doesn't promote that. The gospel doesn't even support what that uh, so-called man of God said. So my point is, is that they were carrying on in such a manner that did not reflect Jesus Christ. It did not uh, uh, represent the church of Jesus Christ. And they said when, when people came against it, they said they were having church that's relevant to the culture. And I said, well, where can you find that at in the scripture? Absolutely nowhere. Absolutely nowhere. The same gospel that was preached to me, to my aunties and uncles, that was preached to my grandmother and great-grandmother and all those before me who were born again, that same gospel must be preached and preach to me. That same gospel must be preached to this culture in order for them to receive Jesus Christ. Now, <clears throat> there are people that are going around preaching a false gospel. There are. There are preachers that are going around saying things like, God don't want you to suffer. You can't find that in the scriptures. The Bible says, if he suffered, bled, and died, arm yourselves likewise. All right? Then the scripture says, if you suffer with him, we're going to reign with him. And the scripture says, all who will live godly shall suffer persecution. Not might suffer, <laughs> not may suffer, but shall suffer 
ourselves likewise because we already know what to expect down here. Uh, we're going to have tribulations. We're going to have trials. We're going to go through tests. We're going to suffer attacks from the enemy. If you living right, that goes with the territory. Glory be to God. You're going to have afflictions. But the Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us out of them all. Glory be to God. And he said, be of good cheer. I have already overcome the world. So we just thank God. He says, when these trials and tests come, rejoice. Rejoice. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Think it not strange, but rejoice. Hallelujah. So we're not here to live a life uh, in the lap of luxury. We're not here to um, promote ourselves. We're not here to become uh, celebrities and, and famous. We're not here to amass wealth. Uh, wealth comes from God. Glory be to God. We should not be in pursuit of these things. Now, if God blesses you, trust me, it is for the upbuilding of the kingdom of God. So we have a church today, this modern-day church, that's running after silver and gold. We have pastors that are greedy dogs, that are ravenous wolves, coming in, taking everything from the people of God, absconding with the money, and then they tell you it's your breakthrough. They'll preach an itching-ear message to you saying it's your breakthrough or it's your season or, uh, 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 yeah, you 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 going to get your blessing. But let me tell you something. Those messages that are being preached, they appeal to the lust in the people that are listening to those messages. In other words, that's what they want to hear. So you got these slick willy preachers that will come in town and they are button pushers. They push buttons uh, to get you, to motivate you to give. And they get you so emotional, they don't preach no sound doctrine, nothing about holiness, nothing about righteousness, nothing about suffering, because you don't get big offerings with that kind of preaching. They don't preach the truth of the gospel. They don't preach anything that pertains to hard times and afflictions. They don't preach those types of messages. And these are the messages that the people want to hear, so they give you what you want to hear. Glory be to God. And then when all of these lies that they have preached to you doesn't pan out, and they won't because uh, uh, somebody will come to town and preach who wants to be a millionaire or everybody wants to be a millionaire. Uh, uh, if, if you look at the crowd and then when you give your money, they tell you all your bills going to be paid from now and you're not going to have to suffer and you're not going to have to worry about anything. And God's getting ready to erase your credit report. You can't find that in the scripture. But this is what the people love to hear. 
So the people are getting sick. They're eating this bad food. It is poison. And that's what the prosperity gospel is. It is pure poison. But it's a slow poison. So they are killing the people softly. Glory be to God. And the people don't even know they're getting leaner and leaner and leaner. And the priests, the preachers, are getting fatter and fatter and fatter. Now, the Bible says in John chapter 21, Jesus said, feed my sheep. So the pastors are supposed to feed the sheep, but they are not feeding the sheep. They are fattening themselves off of the sheep. So my question is, why isn't the church being sanctified? Why isn't the church being set apart, hallelujah, and cleansed? Why is there filth, the filth of unrighteousness in the church? I'm not talking about the sinners. I'm talking about the saints. Why is there fornication named among us? Why is there adultery? Why is there homosexuality and sodomy? Why? Why is sin so rampant in the church? It is because the preachers are not preaching the full counsel of the word of God. They're preaching these itching ear messages. So the people will give to that because the preacher's not preaching what they're involved in. They're not preaching what they're guilty of. And the reason most of these pastors are not preaching it because they themselves are involved in these things. They're uh, 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 committing adultery on their spouse. They're doing all sorts of ungodly things, and the people love it. You got pastors cussing in the pulpit, over the pulpit, over the congregation, and the people are shouting and saying, yes, my pastor is real. But you know what? That's not being real because if the pastor ain't saved and the people ain't saved, then we got a mess on our hands. How can you preach to me if you're not walking upright? See, I could not sit up under a pastor like that. I need a pastor that's living what he's preaching. Glory be to God. And I'm not talking about this garbage. I'm not talking about this prosperity. So that's what they're trying to show the people. Oh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed because I own a Maserati. I'm blessed because I'm driving a Lamborghini. You can't find that in the scripture. You can't find that in the scripture that the more uh, material possessions that you own that makes you blessed. That does not make you blessed. Sinners got that stuff, but they ain't blessed. What makes you blessed is to be in right standing with God. So my question remains, where is the church that Christ died for? He died that he might sanctify and cleanse it. Now, in the Old Testament, the priests had a tremendous responsibility. They had to sacrifice, do all the sacrifices. They had to prepare and make sure all the ordinances and statutes were carried out. They even had special garments that they had to wear. And everything had to be exact. Everything had to be precise, especially the high priest. If he went up in the Holy of Holies, 
with sin in his life, he did not come out of there alive. Glory be to God. And the other uh, priests couldn't even go in there and get him. What they had to do was take a hook and pull him out because he had died in the presence of the Lord. So we are under grace now. But as I said early, you know, we don't see God just uh, 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 preachers dropping dead in the presence of the Lord. We have not seen that in a while. But like Ananias and Sapphira, they lied to the Holy Ghost and fell dead, one right after the other. So we're not seeing uh, God do these things uh, on a wide scale uh, uh, level now. And so I guess we think that maybe God's on a vacation. Maybe God don't see what we're doing in the house of God, but he does. But God is a God of great grace and great mercy. But I'm going to tell you something. There is a rap side of God. Glory be to God. And that is the side that we do not, we don't want to presume upon the grace and mercy of God. Because when the wrath of God, when that cup of wrath is unleashed, whoever is involved will have to drink from that cup. Glory be to God. So the church must be sanctified and cleansed. And the priests, they had this responsibility of cleansing themselves. Uh, They could not be ceremonially unclean. They had to cleanse themselves and they had to cleanse all of the utensils, all of the vessels, anything that was associated or used in the sacrifice. It had to be cleansed. Glory be to God in the highest. If a person had leprosy before they could rejoin the uh, congregation, they had to be cleansed. Glory be to God. If a woman had her menstrual cycle before she could rejoin The congregation, she had to be cleansed. Glory be to God. So God is not interested. He is never going to lower his standards for you or for me. In other words, the same cleansing that he required in the Old Testament, although we no longer sacrifice the blood of bulls and goats, the blood of Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. That's why, because Jesus said his blood, we are supposed to be cleansed and live clean and holy lives. The Bible says, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? He that have clean hands and a pure heart. So we cannot be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing our minds by the washing of water of the word. Glory be to God. So Christ died for the church to sanctify her. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians um, chapter 4 and verse number 3. He said, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication." and that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, 
even as the Gentiles which know not God. There's supposed to be a difference between the clean and the unclean and the holy and the profane. And that's what the pastors are supposed to teach us, the difference between the clean and the unclean and the difference between the holy and the profane. Sin is always going to be profane. Sin is always, always unclean. So we have to present our bodies to God as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, and not fornication. We should not be in fornication and adultery. This is the will of God, even our sanctification. We are to be set apart from the world. The world is fornicating. The world is committing adultery. The world is in all sorts of sexual immorality, but not God's people. We are the people of God, the holy people of God. Glory be to God. So Christ died for the church to sanctify us and to present us to himself glorious. This is why after the crucifixion of Christ, the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ, he sent the Holy Ghost to empower the church. Without the Holy Ghost, we could not do this. We need the power of the Holy Ghost. Jesus did not die for a weak or beggarly church. He did not die for a victim, but a victorious church. Glory be to God. He died for a holy church whose garments have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. We traded our filthy garments. Hallelujah. Glory be to God in the highest. We traded them for the garments of righteousness because our old garments were not garments of righteousness. Our old garments, glory be to God in the highest. And we traded them for, hallelujah, the garments of righteousness. Our old garments were stained with sin and with filth and with wickedness. And the Bible says that even our righteousness, our own righteousness, you know that self-righteousness, it is as filthy rags. Glory be to God in the highest. That's why you do-gooders who say, I don't lie, I don't cheat on my taxes, I don't smoke, I don't do this, and I don't do that. But the scripture says in Romans 3 and 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So even with all your do-goodies, you still were in sin, and you still need the blood of Jesus Christ. You still need to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Glory be to God. Now, the church that Christ died for is the bride of Christ, and she is dressed in the robe of righteousness that is spotless, unblemished, and without wrinkles because she has been purified through Jesus' blood. Glory be to God. You see, Christ came to redeem us and bring us back to God. He paid the price that he did not owe, but he paid the price that we could not pay. Hallelujah. So whoever believes in him and receives Christ as their Lord and Savior, 
in Christ. Now, let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9. Thank you, Holy. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9. And this is what it says. Who have saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. So we only have salvation through Jesus Christ. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, but in the name of Jesus Christ. So after we are born again with the divine life, all believers must go through the process called sanctification, uh, being set apart, hallelujah, for God's use and God's glory. Now, sanctification, I call it the onion process. You know how you peel an onion layer by layer. So God begins to peel your onion. You're already saved. Now he's got to peel off all this wickedness, all this evil thinking, all the little things that you thought were just your, your own little idiosyncrasies, but they turn out to be sin. That's not just the way you are. You know, people say, well, you know, she cuss a lot. Oh, that's just how she is. No, that is not just how she is. That is a demon spirit speaking through her. Glory be to God. So God begins to cleanse us. He begins to cleanse our minds. He begins to cleanse our thoughts. He begins to cleanse our, uh, 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 our even those little habits and things. Glory be to God. You know that anger that you have, how you can fly hot in the drop, uh, 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 the, the drop of a moment. Glory be to God. God begins to temper that and cleanse us from that. Glory be to God. So you, with the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, you can control that. You can be angry and sin not. Glory be to God in the highest. And all believers have to go through this sanctification process. It's a little by little and day by day, line upon line and precept upon precept. You know, when God took the children of Israel into uh, the promised land, he said he, he made a promise to take them in, but he took them through the wilderness because, you know, he had brought them out of Egypt, but he had to get Egypt out of them. And so he said to them, he said, I'm going to take you in little by little and uh, line upon line and precept upon precept because uh, I, I don't want the ravenous beast of the land to devour you. And so that is pretty much a pattern with God. He takes us out of something, but then he takes us in to what he wants us to be in, the, uh, the new man, hallelujah, little by little. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I didn't stop doing everything that I used to do as a sinner overnight. God, through his word, 
he began to peel me. He began to peel off layers of filth, layers of wickedness, layers of evil thinking. I had some messed up thinking. I thought certain things were okay. And God began to show me. He began to shine the light on dark spots, dark areas in my life. And he began to correct me and to shape me and mold me into his image and likeness. Now, I'm going to tell you something. There is no darkness in Christ Jesus. There is no darkness. He is the light. Glory be to God. So there's not going to be a, he's not going to leave a little bit of darkness. You know, it's like roaches. You call for an exterminator, and you want that exterminator to get all the roaches out of your house. You say, I'm done with this. I'm not going to live with roaches anymore. Well, we would look foolish if we told the exterminator, but leave this one right here. I, I kind of like this one. This is a good roach. There's no such thing as a good roach. Roaches are filthy. Roaches are nasty. They carry germs. They will infiltrate your house. They will infect you and make you sick. And so you want them all gone. That is how we have to have that same attitude about sin. I want it all out of me. God, cleanse me. Get it out of me. Get lying out of me. Get stealing out of me. Get fornicating out of me. Get jealousy out of me. Get envy out of me. Get profanity out of me. Get the spirit of blasphemy out of me. Get everything out of me, God, that doesn't glorify you, that doesn't edify me, that doesn't build up. Get it all of me, God. Get it all out of me. I want to be made into your image and likeness. Not my will, God, but your will be done. Glory be to God in the highest. So God is going to cleanse us as we continue to sit up under the word. The word of God will peel us like an onion, layer by layer. Do you know I've been a Christian now for 30 years, and I look back over my life, and there are some things that fell off of me, and I don't even know when they fell off. Just some bad habits that I had. They were sinful. They were wicked. They were not pleasing to God, but I don't even know when I stopped doing them. It was the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the power of his word. He was sanctifying me. And so the more you walk with God and the more you yield to the Holy Spirit, the more these things, these these habits that you think you just can't shake, the more, hallelujah, glory be to God, that you yield to the spirit of the living God, the more these things will fall off of you. And you'll look back and you won't even know when I stopped. When did I stop doing this? When did I stop going here? When did I stop talking like that? Oh, that's gone. Oh, when did I stop getting so angry that I wanted to hit people upside the head? When? Oh, that's gone. He took that away from me. Why? Because I no longer desired it. I no longer desired it because my desire to please God outgrew my desire to please myself. Glory be to God. So Christ died for a church that will eventually be transfigured by God through the redemption of our body by Christ as he 
fully saturates us with his divine life. Now, we already talked about Ephesians 5, 25 through 27, but we can see how Christ is being made from God as righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Here we see Christ loving the church so much that he died for her to redeem her and how we might become God's righteousness in him. Now Christ is doing what? He's sanctifying his church, cleansing her by the washing of the water of the word. But now when you're in a place where the word is not being taught, where the the the, the fake gospel is being preached, how are those people going to be sanctified for God? That's not that's not gonna happen. That's not gonna happen. When Christ came to earth as God, becoming a man in the flesh, he was our redeemer. And through his death, he accomplished God's judicial redemption for us by satisfying the requirements of God's righteousness, holiness, and glory. You see, God loves us, and his love for us was manifested through his son Jesus, who came and died in our place. Now I have this little book, and I was reading it, and um, it has different little excerpts in it. And when I read uh, one of the excerpts, it just brought me to tears. <coughs> it said that the scripture said they spit in his face. And I don't know why, even though I knew that they had done that, just to read it just made me weep. And they did spit in his face. You see what he endured, what he suffered for people like me and you? And how dare that what Christ did for me, I would turn around and spit in his face again by not allowing him to have his way in my life to make me and to transform me from what I used to be into a holy vessel of God. To do so would be to spit in his face again. That hurt my feelings, that they spit in his face. So how dare I would spit in his face again by refusing what he has provided for me through salvation, through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I I, I just couldn't do that. Now, have I lived a perfect life? No, I've made many mistakes. But I did them through ignorance. I did not know the power and the authority that I have today. I didn't know how to uh, apply it to my life. I didn't know how to exercise it. Glory be to God. So I still, like a baby, I still stumbled and I fell from time to time. But I thank God for his grace and his mercy. But in all of that, I sat up under a pastor who taught the unadulterated word of God unfiltered, uncut, 
So I thank God for him. I thank God for that man of God just teaching me the word of God. It was the word of God that transformed me. I was a loose woman. It was the word of God that has made me chaste and holy. It was the word of God that even put the desire in me to be a holy woman of God. I didn't know what that really meant. I just know that that was not, that wasn't who I was, and I knew that that's who I wanted to be. I wanted to be made holy. So I cried out to the Lord, and I said, Lord, make me holy. And although in my heart, I didn't, I I just believed that it was impossible for somebody like me to be made holy. I didn't know the power of God. I didn't know that God could do anything but fail. But I stayed with him. I continued to sit up under the word of God. I studied the word of God. I, I, I was so fascinated with the Bible. I was like, wow. I, I, I read it from cover to cover, 10 times over. I saw the power of God. I saw that God was nothing to play with. And I saw that God could do anything. So I trusted him. The more I read about him, the more I got to know him. And I, I, the more I trusted him. And I knew that, hey, he did this. He moved a mountain. He, he, he raised the dead. He did all of this. He can help me. And he did. He did. Over 30 years, he has transformed my life. I am not the same Jan Taylor I used to be. When the Lord found me, I was deep in sin. I was wallowing, covered in filth and mud, the muck and the miry clay, and he brought me out. But he did not bring me out for me to go back to that. He did not bring me out for me to return to the tent of the wicked. He did not bring me out for that. He brought me out that I might be sanctified and be a part of the bride of Jesus Christ. God loved us, and his love was manifested through his son Jesus. And because we were lost and corrupted and dead in trespasses and sin, Christ came not only as our Savior, but our healer, our shepherd, and our teacher. In order for us to receive this divine life, we had to first be reconciled and redeemed back to God. That is the church that Christ died for. He died to reconcile us and to redeem us. He found us on the slave block of sin. And he bought us back. And he paid a high price. He purchased us with the blood of his own son. He gave his life for us. So where, where is the holy, the pure, the sanctified bride of Christ? Where is the church that Christ died for? 
Why is the church still living in sin? And it seems that the church is getting more wickeder each day. I'm talking about the ecclesia, the call out assembly of God, the, 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 the people that he brought out of the world. Why are we going back into the world? He said, yeah, in the world, but not of the world. But why? Why are we adopting the world's ways and the world's habits and the world's mannerisms? Why are we trying to look like the world? Why are we talking like the world? Why are we dressing like the world? Why are we behaving like the world? When the world looks at us, they don't see no difference between us and them. Why? When Jesus Christ has paid such a high price for us, we are more precious than silver and gold. Where is that church? We wonder why sinners reject the message of the gospel that is being preached today. Because they know, they know that's not the gospel. They know there's no power in that. They don't know what the gospel is, but they sure know what it ain't. They see preachers up hollering, trying to get their money. They're holding on to their pocketbooks and their wallets because that's what they see. They see flim-flam artists in the pulpit disguised as preachers. Let's look at Joel, Joel chapter 1. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Joel chapter 1 says, gather the people together. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children. These are serious times. It's time for a solemn assembly. Glory be to God. And those that suck the breast, let the bridegroom go chamber. Let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep between the porch and the altar. And let them say, spare thy people. Let them, where the priests and the ministers that are interceding for the church, where are those that cry over the spiritual condition of the church? Why aren't the priests and the ministers weeping over the sin that's in the church? When you hear a pastor say that his church is going to start growing weed and selling weed from the church, why aren't the people of God weeping over this? When we see the pastors getting caught in adultery, when people stand up in the congregation and say they have a baby by the pastor and that ain't his wife, why aren't we weeping? Why are we trying to cover these pastors? Well, you know, can't nobody judge, and we just need to pray for Jim. And, 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 and well, you know, everybody got a little something wrong with them. Why are we trying to cover for them when the word of God says, be ye holy, for I am holy. God would not tell us to be holy if he did not give us the power to do it. He would not 
asked us to do something that he did not give us the power to do. Luke 10, 19 says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions, power over all the power of the enemy, and nothing, enemies shall harm you. So we have power. We have the dunamis, and we have exousia, which is the authority. What more do we need? The only thing that's missing is the word of God. In these churches, the pastors are not preaching the word of God. They're preaching another gospel. They're preaching another Jesus. And it's a false gospel. And it's a false Jesus. It's not the Jesus of the Bible. He did not come to make us rich. He came to set the captives free. But we are so intense, we are so intense because we are content with what we are hearing today. Oh, he just he just smoothed everything over today, made me feel good, and I'm okay. Ain't nobody getting saved. People coming to the altar, but they're not getting saved. There's a difference between joining the church and getting saved. Being, getting saved requires repentance. Anybody can join the church. But when you get saved, there will be repentance. And repentance comes with tears over your sins. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Why is the word being diluted and watered down to appeal to the masses? Why are our churches full of nakedness? Why don't the women of God have any clothes on in the house of God? All the women are showing their breasts. What is that all about? The world says, if you got it, flaunt it. But the Bible says that the women of God are to wear modest apparel. We are to be meek and chaste. And then if somebody calls the women of God a whore, you get mad. Well, if you're not working, take your sign down. You're advertising, showing all your body, showing all your bosom, showing all your behind. Parading yourself through the church like a harlot. Women of God, we got to stop this. We have to present our body to God as a living sacrifice. And if you are married, nobody have no business seeing your body but your husband. You have no business showing your breath. You have no business with all this nakedness in the house of God. Where is the power of the Holy Ghost? You don't even hear messages anymore on the Holy Ghost. The power of the Holy Ghost. That's the power that the church needs to live right. We can't live right without the Holy Ghost. Why do the churches merely have a form of godliness, denying the power thereof? Oh, yeah, we talking the talk, but we ain't walking the walk. Where is the fear of the Lord at? 
people come to church Sunday after Sunday, and, and, and it's the spirit of Ichabod. And you know it's Ichabod because they try to manufacture a move of God. They're bringing in smoke machines trying to make you think that's the glory of God. Let me tell you something. That ain't the glory. The Bible says when Solomon was praying and he finished praying, dedicated the temple of God unto the Lord, the glory came down and filled the temple to the extent that the priest could not minister. Yeah, that's the glory. When the glory, when the real glory comes, the preachers can't preach, the choir can't sing, the ushers can't usher. Nobody can do anything but fall prostrate on our faces before God. No flesh can glory in his presence. So you got to bring a smoke machine in to make people think that's the glory. I've been in services when the glory came down. And we all went on our face and wept before the Lord because his presence had filled the room. And we did not have to bring in a smoke machine to make it look like the glory. That's what sinners do at their concerts. I know, because I ain't always been saved. I saw them bring them smoke machines in. It's called an optical illusion. But that's not the glory. So now we have churches that want to manufacture a move of God, so they bring in the smoke machines to make it look like the glory. And the people are deceived. They're not preaching the word. Now you're going to make it look like the glory thing here when it's not. The glory is the presence of God. Where is the glory of the Lord that was once tangible? Why is there no presence? of the Lord in our services today. Where is the church that Christ died for? Somebody tell me where that church is at. We have traded the truth for lies and the glory for glitter. Gold and glitter. Everybody wants the bling bling. We no longer desire the things of God. We no longer hunger and thirst after righteousness. But now we're running after materialism and prosperity. We have left off pursuing Jesus, but now we are going hard after the things of the world, such as fame and fortune and success and prestige and power and money and self-promotion and self-glorification. The Lord spoke to me on April the 13th, 2020. He said, Many of the churches, I am shutting down. We thought it was the government doing a big shutdown, but God said, it's me that's shutting them down. He said, because they have idols and they got false fire on the altar. 
Yeah, we made idols out of people. Where is the church that Christ died for? Where is the holy bride of Christ? Glory be to God. So the prophet Haggai, I know you thought I wasn't going back there, but I am. He said, has anybody seen this house? He said, how do you see it? Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? Speaking of the temple. And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison as it is nothing? We got big buildings, mega churches, mega messes. It looks like the bigger our buildings got, the weaker the church has become. We got Hammond B3 organ. We got keyboard players. We got a full band. Houston didn't have nothing but a big uh, bass drum, and he'd be standing up there beating that. But the glory was there. Why? Because the saints prayed. You had those old praying mothers. Good God Almighty. They knew how to pray. They had prayer meetings. Now we don't have prayer meetings. So what night is prayer meeting? Oh, we don't have that. We got bingo night. We got bowling night. We got movie night. We got youth night. We got spaghetti night. We got all these nights. Now we done bought in the Super Bowl. We having the Super Bowl party in the sanctuary. And we tell Jesus he can come in at halftime and save a few souls. Where is the church that Christ died for? Oh, mothers used to pray. They would get down on their knees and pray. I know. I went I went with my grandmother to prayer meetings. They were not educated. They were not articulate. They used to break verbs and vowels, tear up the English language, but they knew how to get a hold of God. Woo! They knew to get in touch with heaven. They called on the name of the Lord, cried out to him for their children and grandchildren. And many of us, we are the product of their prayers. That's why we can sing the song, Somebody Prayed for Me, had me on their mind, took the time and prayed for me. I'm so glad they prayed. I'm so glad they prayed for me. Now we don't have prayer meeting. We ain't got time for that. That takes too long. So we replace prayer meeting with all this other stuff because we need to attract the young folks. We got to keep them busy. We got to keep them busy. We got to keep them wanting to come to church. So it's always got to be something exciting that will make them jump, jump, jump. And then they'll love church. They'll say, oh, church is fun. Church is cool. I was told by one lady that they had a youth uh, department in her church, 
and her daughter always wanted to go. And um, they would go, and um, the guy who was the youth pastor, he was playing rock music in the church. And those children would get so excited, they would just be in a frenzy. And she would let her, I think her daughter was 13, she would let her go. So she called me for prayer, and she said something. Every time she goes to youth night, she comes back demon-possessed. And she began to explain to me. I said, well, find out what's going on. And she began to tell me about that rock music they were playing. I told her, don't let her go anymore. Don't let her go to that anymore. And so she said, well, what do I do? We need, we, we need to get her delivered. And the Lord had me and two other women to fast for three days. And then we came together by phone and we began to pray. Hey, I feel the power of the Holy Ghost. And we began to bind and loose and we cast out them unclean spirits. And that mother told me that night her daughter coughed up the largest hairball she had ever seen in her life. A hairball. Now, if y'all don't know what a hairball is, cats often cough up hairballs because, you know, cats are very clean, and so they bathe themselves with their tongue, and the hair gets in their mouth, and it ends up in their uh, digestive system. And a cat will get sick if it doesn't come up, and it can be a pretty big-sized hairball. I've seen them before. And the mother said that her daughter was coughing up hairballs. Now, this ain't no cat. This little girl ain't no cat. So how is hair getting in this child's mouth? But the mother said that night after we prayed for that little girl, she coughed up a hairball about the size of a tennis ball. All of this was happening at youth night at the church. Something was wrong. Something was going on at that church that wasn't right. That youth pastor wasn't right. That youth program wasn't right. But see, this is what they like now. Whoa, oh, we want something that will attract our children. They need the same word of God that we need. They need to know who Christ is, what he did for us, and the promise of his return. They got to live right, just like we do. So youth night should not be rock night. Youth night needs to be a study of the word. They need to learn the word. But these churches that don't want to do that, they want to attract more youth than uh, uh, than to teach them the word of God. So they go after the masses. They said, we're going to put on this loud rock music. We're going to put these lights in here, and we're just going to let them dance, 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 dance. Jesus ain't nowhere in the room. There's no mention of him. 
That is not the church that Christ died for. In case you didn't know that, I just thought I'd, I'd, I'd clue you in on that one. That's not the church that Christ died for. We have left off pursuing Jesus. Now we're going for other things. Now it's got to all be about fun. And uh, we want the church to be cool. We even want the pastor to be cool. Yeah, we want a cool pastor. I preached at a church. Uh, it was right before 9-11 happened. And um, there was an elderly white man. It was a white church, and it was an elderly white man. And he really liked my style of preaching. And he told me after the service was over, if he used to preach like me, he said, I used to preach like that. He said, they got rid of me. He said, they wanted a young pastor who could play basketball with him. And they got that. They had a, 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 a pastor who was tall and young. And, of course, he could play basketball, and he built uh, them a gym. So they wanted a pastor that could play basketball with the young people. And so in the middle of my message, the Lord told me to cut it off and bring those people to the altar. And I did what the Lord said. And they told me at the church that they had not been to the altar in 15 years. They had not confessed their sins. They had not wept on the altar for God to change them and transform them and take the things out of their lives. They, they had not done that. Now, I couldn't figure out why a pastor would not call his people to the altar because First John says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So he wasn't even allowing those people the opportunity as a corporate body to come to the altar and fall on their knees and get things right with God, even before they took Holy Communion. And the Bible says, for this cause, many are sickly and many sleep. You see, we cannot lean to our own righteousness. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 22. Glory be to God. And there's a story in here that has always fascinated me. I'm going to start at the 34th verse. No, not the 34th verse. I'm coming. uh, I'm going to start at the first verse. And the king, the second verse. And the kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son, and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding. And they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Behold, 
tell them which are bidden. I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth. And he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up the city. Then said he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which are bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together as many as they found, both good and bad. And the wedding was furnished with guests. When the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he said unto him, Friend, how camest thou in thither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. And the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, few are chosen. You see, this man in this story, he tried to come in his own righteousness. He did not receive or put on the righteousness of God, which is Christ Jesus. He was provided just like all the other wedding guests, but he chucked it to the side. He said, I'm coming just as I am. I'm coming. I'm coming with my own. And, of course, we see what happened to him. He was cast into outer darkness. The message is we must put on the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There is no justification outside of the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Glory be to God. So when the prophet Haggai, when he saw Hallelujah, the temple and the condition that it was in, his heart was broken. His heart was broken. He saw, he said, who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? It doesn't even compare to the glory that it once had. And that's where we are today. We have this great big temple, but we don't have any power. We have these massive buildings, but God said, I'm going to empty them out. Glory be to God. I'm going to strip pastors from being pastors over my people. 
They will not feed my flock anymore, saith the Lord, nor will they feed themselves on my flock anymore. He said, I'm going to remove them. I am God. I remove kings and I set up other kings. He said, I will replace them. I will give them pastors after my own heart. And I will feed my people in pastures, in green pastures, saith the Lord. Where they can lie down in peace and safety. And they will be fed. I will I am the good shepherd. And the shepherd, the sheep know my voice. They will not follow another. Glory be to God in the highest. We got all this bling bling. We got all this ornamentation. We got all this stuff. It, the temple looks beautiful. But the Bible says it's like whited sepulchers full of dead men's bones. It's rock flesh and putrefying stench in the nostrils of God. We're trying to praise God and offer up worship to him on top of singing. Woo! You have no idea how dangerous that is. Musicians that play in the club and get up on the holy instruments of God and play in the house of God. No consecration. No consecration. No sanctification. It's just a job. You need to read the Old Testament about the Levites and the priests, those who could not serve. And, you know, I found this out just recently. I did not know this that if a priest had a daughter who became a prostitute, he lost his priesthood. I did not even know that. Somehow that went over my head. I missed it. That's how serious God is about those who serve in his temple, house in order. Before he can serve the Lord. This is serious, y'all. I'm talking about the church that Christ died for. And you want to bring in these paid musicians they ain't saved. They ain't living nothing. They ain't even trying to live nothing. And every so often, they got a new baby and they ain't got no wife. Somebody doing something. And you won't sit them down because you say, well, this the only musician we got. Then play tracks. All the vessels in the temple had to be consecrated unto the Lord. They couldn't use a fork, a spoon, a ladle, a bowl, a candlestick. They couldn't use anything that had not.
I've been consecrated unto the Lord, sanctified and set apart for God's use and for God's glory. Now we want to let singers get up and sing, and boy, they can sing, but they ain't living nothing. Sleeping with different men in the church. But because she can sing, oh, we're going to let her sing. Because she can light the house. She, she know how to get us so emotional. That's a demonic spirit. God is not looking for talent. He got more than one singer. God is calling for the true worship. The hour has come and now is the time for the true worship. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That's why the glory has departed. There's too much flesh in the house of God. It is putrefying flesh in God's nostrils. Instead of the sweet, fragrant aroma, it's a stench that goes up, and he does not receive it. Our Father does not receive it. Glory be to God. Because Christ suffered, bled, and died for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for the ungodly. But he did not die that we would stay ungodly. He died so that we could live and to make us holy. Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost, unrighteous, the wicked. While we were yet in sin, but the scripture says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abide? God forbid. Jesus' blood was shed on Calvary's cross. He died a brutal and a violent death that he might reconcile the world unto himself. He died so that we could live, drawing us. He gave us another chance. As I said earlier, he did not come to destroy man. He came to destroy the works of the devil. Where is the church that Christ Turn with me to Numbers chapter 15. And it says, and on that day, the tabernacle was reared up. The cloud covered the tabernacle, namely the tent of the testimony. And at evening, 
there was upon the tabernacle, as it is, the appearance of fire by night. So it is always the cloud covered by day and the appearance of fire by night. That's the glory. Exodus 40 and 38. For the cloud of the Lord was upon the tabernacle by day, and fire was on it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journey. Again, that's the glory. That's the real glory. Hallelujah. The glory is the presence of God. Hallelujah. Now, last scripture for tonight is Hebrews 9 and 28. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, we give you praise. Thank you, Lord. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 28. So Christ was offered, Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Glory. Hallelujah. That sums it up. That sums it up. I want to leave this thought with you tonight. I want you to ask yourself, is the church that you see today, is this the church that Christ died for? And if not, then ask a second question. Where? is the church that Christ died for. This is Evangelist Janet Taylor coming to you live from Walls of Fire Deliverance Ministry International. You can find us on the Internet at www.wallsoffiredeliveranceminn.com. Our email address is jet245 at msn.com. The phone number here is 336-830-0601. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 1148, Walkertown, North Carolina, 275150. You can join us Monday through Saturday at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time for the Sweet Hour of Prayer, and at Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The phone number for the Sweet Hour of Prayer is 425-436-6333, and the access code is 716-5050. With uplifted hands, now the God of peace that brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, 
to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. That comes from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. May God bless you. And this is the Walls of Fire Deliverance Ministry, Evangelist Janet Taylor, saying good night.